Hello, guys, and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello, guys, and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life, talking about subjects from self-doubt to business to baby father drama, sex and loneliness. I want to ask real questions to my guests about real single mummy life. Can you really be happy? And can you be happy as a mum in general? Every episode will deliver the best hard-hitting topics surrounding mummy life and the innate goal to try and find real happiness. So here's your host, me, Khalifa. Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Single Mums podcast. I'm your host, Khalifa. Today we have a magnificent lady. Her name is Laura. She has her own platform called The Rise of the Single Mother. And I absolutely love the title. It's extremely refreshing because I feel like there needs to be a massive uprising in regards to single motherhood and the negative stereotype society has placed on us. And there needs to be a push towards a tribe. And I love the fact that, yeah, that's kind of what you are pushing towards. So, Laura, please tell the audience a bit about yourself and your magnificent platform. Well, thank you very much. Magnificent seems like uh, uh, slightly over-egging it, but um, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. The Rise of the Single Mother um, came about um, mostly because the, 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 the Instagram page was really a sideline to the website. So... I was lying in bed one morning and I was thinking about all the really strong and capable single mothers I knew. And I just had this idea in my head that I felt I like the fact that you use tribe or I like sisterhood or community or whatever. But tribe's good. I'll stick with tribe. I like the fact that as a tribe, as a body of, of women, although obviously some single single dads out there who are good as well, but I felt that the stigma was going and particularly you know, when I was growing up, so I'm I'm 57, so I was born in 1965. And when I was growing up, if there was a single woman, single mother in the in the village or the town where I lived, she was either poor, very working class, hard done by, abused, had got pregnant as a teenager. It was just like that trap that you couldn't fall into at all. There was so many stereotypes. Um, these weren't good women was almost the sort of the subtext to this um, I got married I had my child the marriage didn't work out I chose to leave the marriage and then I went through a really difficult time and then eventually when I came out of that I went back to university got degrees in counselling and psychotherapy did a postgrad master's in lockdown and couples counselling and the rise of the single mother came about because um, I wanted to share my journey on a platform because I really was very ill for a while. Um, and um, uh, so we created, my sister and I, my younger sister and I created this website as a platform for women sharing their stories, um, either directly with their names on it or um, or anonymously. So if you have looked at the website, there is my story there and then there are a couple of funny blogs and 
um, mm-hmm. some resources. And then we've got people um, who have shared their stories with us. We've actually got uh, a few more stories to put up, but unfortunately, you know, with summer holidays and my daughter doing GCSEs, haven't got round to it yet. And then the, the Instagram page was just to go alongside that. And you're right, you know, it's important yeah. that as many of us share our stories to show those amongst us that are struggling that it is possible to be really happy and yeah. successful and live well as a single parent. Definitely. I, and I think one of the things that I, I saw on your um, on your page was the fact, the fact that you're so open and transparent about your story. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times, especially as single moms, I realise even with my own journey that if I don't carry on going and I stay still, I could possibly drown, you know? So I think that oftentimes as single moms, we just carry on going. We we work and we join the PTA and we try and bake cakes and we try and do the nine to five and we're trying to pay the bills. But there was a time in on one of your, on your blog page, you said that you checked yourself in because you just got to breaking point. And I think that sometimes in life, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that no, something needs to be done. So now did you get to that stage number two how did you overcome it well the first thing is don't do the pta and make the bloody cakes <laughs> i mean really buy the cakes from mns take them out of the box or from tesco's or from little god i love little and um, yeah. it saved me at times when i've been a single single mother i've been struggling with money listen don't i don't know why we think we have to do all that stuff just drop that don't if you want to bake cakes with your kid at the weekend because your kids enjoys it, otherwise don't. You know, um, it's all about, I, I mean, what, what you're talking about, me being very honest and open about, is probably me sharing on the page about my nervous breakdown and me trying to take my own life. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was at the end of my tail there. And, and funnily enough, I, I do get a bit of backlash about this sometimes because my child was two when I did it. And um, it certainly wasn't a cry for help. I can go into more details if you want. But, um, yeah, I was very ill and um, I tried to take my own life. I was very, very nearly successful. Um, thankfully, wow. somebody called the police and the ambulance and they knocked the door down and they managed to sort of resuscitate me. Very, very lucky. Um, after that, it took a long time for the social services to agree to me having my child on my own. I had to have psychological assessments and I couldn't see my child without supervision for about three weeks. And then, of course, you're hit by this tidal wave of shame. But the reality is there was a lot going on in the build up to that that certainly my ex-husband didn't notice and my friends didn't notice. Nobody really knew how ill I was. And that is actually down to me. I probably took on too much. I was also going through the menopause at the time. So, you know, I went into menopause around 45. None of my friends were going through menopause. I got very depressed. I was really in financial trouble. It was one thing after another. After the and um, I imploded. So subsequent to that, when I sort of crawled out of the wreckage of that, and everybody stopped shouting at me um, because people were very angry. You know, people that love you are really angry that you've done something like that. The first six months were very difficult. I think I wanted to kill myself every day. And, I, and although I wasn't sectioned, I probably should have been. I was very lucky. I had a couple of really good girlfriends, funnily enough, also single mothers, who really stood by me and talked to me. 
and then eventually um I, I i was i was in a position where i could leave london move to the country and i just it sounds really self indulgent when i say it now but i mostly just went for long walks with my dog did yoga every day and if i did work it would be a little bit of consultancy here and there i didn't have very much money we got pretty close to bankruptcy a couple of times um but somehow we all made almost managed to be resourceful you know i would sell some clothes on ebay i try i tried to do uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it, but because it was disastrous, I tried to do a a saucy telephone chat line at one point, which I was really, truly (laughs) awful at because I would tell people how horrible they were. I'm very good at that. Oh, crikey. (laughs) And then I just thought, um, what do I want to do with my life? You know, I've obviously got mental health challenges because to get that low, there's probably a pre-existing condition there. So... I spent a lot of time sort of navel gazing and contemplating what, what what my issues were. And I worked a lot on myself. Again, sounds a little bit self-indulgent. but And then I thought when I came out of it, I decided to go back to university and study to be a counsellor, psychotherapist, work in addiction, work in depression, substance abuse. Um, I never wanted to work with children. I felt I was doing enough of that already. But yeah, I wanted to, I wanted something good to come out of my suicide attempt. And yeah. um, and I wanted to do something that my kid would be proud of me about because I've got quite significant scars on my wrist. So it's not that it's impossible to hide what happened to me. And whilst I don't think it's a badge of honour, I think it's, it, it's the experience. Is it, is it, do you feel like it's a reminder? Yeah, the, the experience that I had, although it was terrible and dark and I wouldn't want anybody to live through what I lived through because it really was awful, I am living proof that it doesn't have to stay like that, that life can be very fluid and can be very good and you can turn what, what you think is the worst day of your life into something positive. Yeah, but can we just touch upon the fact that you said life can be fluid and we can turn things around? Oftentimes, I, I in my dark days... Um, as a single mom, it's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that sometimes that's the problem that with, with especially when, when you meet other people and they're saying to you that, oh, you're so strong, you, you can do it, you know? And in actual fact, if the, the, the longest relationship we're going to have in this life is the ones with ourselves. And to be quite frank, when you stop liking yourself, trusting yourself, trusting your abilities, even as a mother, that's when the cracks start showing. So how did you then switch on that light that, no, I've got the ability to to change and to hope for the future, not only for myself, but for my, my daughter? I think what gave me a real shock was the fact that I wasn't allowed to see my kid without social worker presence. That sort of gave wow. me a shock. Um, and, and also I spent three days in a secure facility whilst I wasn't sectioned. I did voluntarily go into a secure unit and I saw some things there that made me think well is this going to be where I'm headed I don't want to lose my mind I don't you know want to be there for my daughter um the six months I had before I moved to the country you could do a whole podcast on that because it was so horrifically terrible quite frankly I don't tell anybody how I got through most of those days um but what I've done, so I can tell you what I've done subsequently, because obviously when something like this has happened to your mental health, and because I work now in the field of mental health, it's important for me to take care of myself. 
And the way I do that is because I make sure as a single mother that I'm not getting overwhelmed. I think about self-care. And self-care for me is walking my dogs, pottering in the garden, um, doing yoga. I do 10 minutes meditation after I do yoga. And also I have a whole routine I go through. So if I feel a bout of depression coming over me, so I've got what um, people call reactionary depression, um, which is like okay. an emotional over overload and inability to process things, difficult things, and it becomes overwhelming. So if I feel these, the, you know, if I feel the black dog, as it's sometimes referred to, snapping at my back heels, I have a whole routine that I go into. I'll, I'll go for a walk. I'll get on my treadmill. I'll, I'll juice. I'll do smoothies. I'll take loads of vitamins. I will eat lots of berries. I'll make sure I speak to friends. I rarely yeah. touch alcohol. You know, I think you have to be very careful when you're a single parent, particularly when they're really young. You know, you've got you've got to be so aware all the time, haven't you? When the buck stops with you, that can be really exhausting. I find also the support of other single mothers. I love that's why I love that you called it a tribe. I find that really invaluable. Yeah, but yeah. I mean. There are good things about being a single parent, though, aren't there? I mean, I know that if I'd stayed with my husband, I know that my bond with my daughter wouldn't be so strong. And, mm. you know, although I wouldn't want her to not have, I mean, she has a relationship with her father anyway, but the gift to me of looking at my daughter, who is now 16, is thinking, wow, that's pretty much all me, you know, and her, you know, our team and how well she's doing and the woman she's growing into. Ultimately, you have incredibly strong bond with your child particularly when they're in. Yeah, and I think I think oftentimes women, especially single mums, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the fact that we made a conscious decision to pick ourselves and we could stay in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, for example, or or empty show relationship. But if you've made that decision that, you know what, I would rather have a relationship with myself and a better environment for my child, for my child to gain the right attachments and not a toxic attachment of dependency or whatever kind of, other things. Yeah, any kind of dependency. I think the message is, um, you know, having the ability to survive on your own, whether you're a single mother or you're a single father or you're a, you're, yeah. a, you're a young person just going out in the world. You know, I know that a contributing factor to my nervous breakdown was was finding myself properly single and I was so scared yeah. at that prospect that I um, engaged in a lot of very unhealthy self-soothing mechanisms which made me have a nervous breakdown because I was so scared of it there's really nothing to be afraid of of being on your own there is no stigma anymore yeah. and I mean this was 10 years 10 years plus when all this happened and a lot's changed in the last 10 years I mean of course in the last 10 in the last you know 10 years ago there weren't wonderful podcasts like the one you're doing or the kind of resources or anything it's a fairly recent thing and um you know I think society is evolving because you know when you suddenly become a single parent certainly when I did 10 years ago um, a lot of your married friends it was honestly it was like Moses parting the Red Sea a lot of, a lot of people want to be around me but I don't know whether they thought I was going to go after their husbands or something which really was never going to happen. Mm, like you've got the plague. It's like it's matching, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Laura's got divorced yeah. and left her husband, so that man now means we're going to do that. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. But, yeah, I mean, look, we, yeah. we, we, we are much better. You talked about, you know, have the longest relationship is with ourselves. 
we need to have faith in ourselves that we are capable of doing this on our own. And whilst I, there are times when it is difficult and exhausting, and there might be things that you have to sacrifice. I mean, I think one of the main things that I've sacrificed being a single parent is my social life. You know, that, that oh. that's really gone a lot. And obviously I've got less money than I would have had if I'd stayed yeah. in a relationship. But, you know, you just... Um, you need to think really carefully, particularly as you get older. I mean, I'm noticing this now as I'm approaching 60. You really need to think very carefully about looking after yourself. And, you know, you Definitely, can have great yeah. times with your kid that, that don't cost anything. Yeah. It's um, Yeah. And, and, and work, I think also in the workplace, one of the, oh, I think probably the only gift of COVID is uh, probably giving us all the ability to work from home. And that hopefully is going yeah. to, now that more people are working from home, I'd really like to think that that's going to make a real difference to certainly single parents who struggled with childcare before. So, you know, perhaps yeah. that's the uh, gift of uh, of COVID, which we weren't. COVID. <laughs> gift of COVID. But no, what you, what you said is right in regards to the fact that we need to re reanalyze um, our, ourselves. And I think that especially a bit about me when I was a single mom or when I'm still a single mom, one of my greatest fears was I didn't want to mess up my child. And I read a study recently and it said that um, no matter the outcome, well, no matter whether a child grows up in a, um, a nuclear family or single parent family, it doesn't determine the outcome of the child. It's the, um, the love and affection and attachments that the child develops over time. And it was a Harvard um, study and it kind of put my mind at rest and the, it kind of shut up that inner critic that I used to, even when I'd make dinner, I would feel like, oh, if you were married, you, you would make dinner this kind of way because my inner critic was so loud. And oftentimes when I speak to single moms on my platform, they're like, oh, but if I had some sort of support and I would never forget one of my um, my mom's friends saying to me when I when I just had my son and I was crying, I was like, I can't I don't think I can do this by myself, auntie. And she said, look, I've been married for 23 years and my husband has never changed a nappy. I'm basically a single mom. And I was like, what? She said, yes, don't think that a ring defines, means anything. You know, you can do it with someone, you could do it without someone. And if you, I have seen magnificent relationships. I'm not knocking marriage. I think marriage is the most beautiful institution on this earth. But I'm saying to, to the woman that feels like, I could have done better if I had someone with me. Well, it could have been you a lot worse. Do... Yeah, it could have been a lot worse if you had that person with you. Also, there are studies to state that you actually only need one parent that is good enough. Have you heard the thing about the good enough parent? You don't have to be amazing. No. You just have to be good enough. And a child only needs one yeah. of those. And really the best, the best way you can raise your child is to show them you living your best life, show them you working hard. Mm. I think it's okay. I mean, now that my daughter's 16, obviously she knows about what happened to me um, with my incident now and also because I blogged about it. So I had to talk to her before I blogged about it and check that she was okay with it. But now at 16, I can say to her, I've had a really difficult day at work, which is obviously my line of work I do sometimes, and I just need to yeah. be quiet a bit or, you know, can you help me with dinner? Or, you know, we're, we, we've always been a team. And um, as they get older, 
you know, you will, you can show them that it doesn't have to be, you know, an impossible task. I mean, I, I, I think my kid would say um, uh, that that I'd given her, you know, a really good role model. One thing I will say is I did ask her not so long ago, what would you say about your childhood? And she said, and it's it's a it's a bit of a kicker. She said, um, I would say that my mum gave me an amazing childhood because I, I was a single mother from when she was two, and that it was really incredible, and we had a really good time. But my mum worked too hard. Oh I she my spent god! A bit more time with me, so that was a bit like stuff me in the heart. So that is the difficult bit. Because, you know, it is busy. If you work full-time, then you've got to pick them up from school and then you've got to do the washing, then you've got to do the... Mm -hmm. So I think that's why sometimes people think, well, you know, a man or or a woman, if you... Whatever your sexual orientation is, would make things easier. Doesn't always. Light and load. So you being a a therapist, what one piece of advice could you give the listeners to kind of because I know that even when I I've stopped listening to the news now because it's just ridiculous everything's just bad and I stopped I love LBC but every minute is just bad news but um what one piece of advice could you give to a single mum listening to how to like handle stress because every single thing is just bad news inflation the recession monkeypox possibly more COVID outbreaks like how do you handle stress? I know you've given us your helpful tips, but are there any other ways in which, yeah. if I didn't have a dog now, actually, I can't walk Actually, through. not watching the news too much is, is a good one. I mean, I think it's important to be informed, but it's also very easy yeah. to get sucked in and watch it every day, and that can be pretty soul-destroying after a while. Um, yeah. It, it's going to be a difficult winter. Let's face it, you know, I mean, we are go- we have got rising fuel costs. Um, we do have to all tighten our belts a bit. Um, uh, I think, you know, to manage that, it depends on your situation because, you know, if you're on a very low income or you're on benefits, it becomes harder, doesn't it, with um, oh. inflation. So tips, really, eat as healthily as you can. Move more to a vegetarian diet. You know, meat's expensive. Um, shop around Lidl's great. I know I'm not probably supposed to be saying that on a podcast, but so is Aldi. Um, if you're really mm. poor, use your food banks. No shame in it. In terms of your mental health, it's so difficult because with winter coming, the ability to go out and get fresh air as much yes. when the weather is bad. But one of the best things you can do, which is free, is go for a walk, get some fresh air in your lungs, breathe deeply. If you know what one of the great things about England, in all the cities as well, we have these fantastic parks. Go and be around trees, uh, stroke a dog that's walking past. Um, mm-hmm. The other great things that you can do, which are which don't cost any money to manage your mental health, and if you're feeling stressed, is one of my all-time favourites, is keep a journal. Oh, my God, the journaling is so fantastic. You don't need very much. It's like a little A5 book. You pick it up in Tesco's or, you know, w- exactly. Exactly, exactly like the one you just showed me. And you can use it as um, uh, a download of consciousness, or I have one client that likes to call it emotional vomiting onto a page. And you can just, you know, because a lot of the time, uh, I mean, I don't know about the other single mums out there, but for me, if ever I'm going to get stressed or anxious or worry about things, 
it's going to be first thing in the morning. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get that feeling in my pit of my stomach. Like before my kid did her GCSEs or uh, we had a couple of deaths recently. So before the funerals or before anything like that, I that's where I feel it's like a nasty ball of energy in my stomach yeah. that makes me feel anxious. So I just get my journal out and I write, I'm feeling really anxious and these are the reasons and, and somehow getting it out onto paper helps. Definitely. The other thing is I definitely speak to other single mums for support. And the other thing you really should do with your mental health is stay away from alcohol. It's really not your friend. I don't have a problem with the odd glass every now and then, but do not have a relationship with alcohol where you're dependent. It is very destructive. Mm. And find things that give you joy. You know, if you if you believe in God, go to church. Or, you know, if there's a community, you know, if you like your community you live in, think about doing something with your community. Speak to friends. Don't isolate mm-hmm. yourself. It's very important yeah. not to isolate yourself. And, you know, you can feel good just by having a cup of tea with a neighbour. Maybe there's an elderly neighbour and your kid's at school and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed. You might find that your elderly neighbour who's lonely might enjoy a cup of tea with you. You know, think about things that you can do that make you feel good, that don't cost money. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, I would add that I think sometimes we need to have a sense of gratitude as well. Oftentimes when I put in my journal the things that I'm grateful for and realising that how your life right now is someone's prayer, you know, like just even you having water... living in london living in america wherever you live but the fact that you you've got four walls that's that's someone's prayer point right now but that's so yeah just having a sense of of gratitude and and even volunteering sometimes when you help someone else yeah it takes it yeah it takes your eyes off of you and sometimes when you're sad and depressed it's because you're looking at yourself in comparison to you thinking how can i help someone else and give to someone else and bless someone else. So those are the two things. Gratitude lists are great. And I I advocate all my clients doing them in their journals as well. But sometimes when somebody's in crisis, asking them to say what they're grateful for can activate them because it feels like you're not hearing that they're in crisis. So you might get the response, I'm not grateful for anything right now. And of course, things could be worse. We could be in Chad, Darfur, Syria, Ethiopia, any third world country where yes, water, the mere fact that we can do that. But you have to remember that everything's relative. You know, the fact is you're not in that situation. And it's obviously a lot easier for to be a single parent if you've got a good job that pays well. A lot easier. Yeah. Money doesn't make you happy, but it helps. So gratitudes are good as long as it doesn't make you feel that you haven't got anything to be grateful for. (laughs) (laughs) We all have, we all have like, but you know, I've had clients where I've said, make a gratitude list and and they've said, well, what about? And I've tried to go with them and they're like, you're not hearing me. So gratitude lists are really a useful tool if you feel that you've got something to be grateful for if you're in a dark place emotionally which can happen and I am I am worried about the impact of this winter on everybody's mental health yeah you know one of the best ways to resource yourself with that is community contact fellowship you know connecting with others 
not realizing that you're alone it's very important to be fair i feel like the government should have given a lot of people therapy after like free free therapy after surviving covid because we've never we've never lived in a time time like this so ideally and I read somewhere also that that divorces after um, COVID had gone high. Oh, yeah. You know, so they they increased. So to be quite fair, there needs to be some sort of intervention in regards to people's mental health. And me trying to call a GP and not being able to get an appointment from having a mental health breakdown is not going (laughs) to help a situation. So there really needs, the UK needs to, yeah, something needs to change. Well, they, um, some of the NHS, um, now outsource work to private therapists, but um, yeah. you know the NHS don't pay us well as private therapists. We can earn more in private practice. The NHS yeah. obviously is so overloaded with everything else. You can get, I think it's five sessions of CBT, no, fifteen. I apologise, fifteen sessions of CBT on the NHS. And some talking therapy, but for a limited amount of time. Um, yeah. And yes, you're absolutely right. But of course, whilst the the, the 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 next pandemic is our mental health, this is the next mm. wave of the pandemic is going to be all mental health. But the NHS just doesn't have the resources anymore. Overwhelmed. Uh, totally overwhelmed. Definitely. And also a lot of the really good therapists at the NHS decamp to private practice because because it's paid better. You know, the whole system is wrong. It's, you know, and the government, yeah, it is. let's face it, the government isn't going to give. I think you're right, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen, yeah. yeah. What we really need but, is, more, yeah. is, a, is a return to, I think I think what I, what would be really good for everybody's mental health is to, have a return of community more for more people to be engaged in community for um for for you know youth clubs in village halls and in town halls yeah. for, you know mother and baby groups or mother and teenager groups or you know like an extended kind of grown up nct you know yeah. groups that are run by local communities because that can be really supportive and and resources yeah. because even you know even if you're very if you're struggling with your mental health over this winter or any time, whether you're a single parent or not, if you eventually get through to um, one of the charities, so you Samaritans, for example, all they can do is listen. They cannot give you any advice. And a lot of people come away from that experience going, well, I know I don't think I've got anything out of that. So I think sometimes people that live around you, community, family, friends, these are really good resources. And, you know, this is something that as Westerners, you know, we're terribly bad at doing, really. Uh, if you can, if you can yeah. have a sense of community and people around you to support you, that can sometimes be the best therapy. And private do therapy need is that. expensive, you know. I mean really expensive well fingers crossed things can only get better as they say we have to just carry on um do you know there's that old i think it was like in the the, the war it's a it's a poster that says we can do it yeah. i can't I, I can't remember yeah so i just feel like we just have to just just carry on ticking away the same way we survived the pandemic we can survive this winter and we can survive anything else that the world tries to throw throw at us and to be quite fair 
yeah, just it's a testament to how resilient yeah. women are, um, single mothers are, men are, and our children are. So the pure fact that we can, we don't know how strong we are until we're really pushed. And ultimately, we can bend, but we cannot break. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it, you know, you have a few months of winter, then you have the spring, and then you have summer, you know, everything. The phrase, this too will pass. And the really great thing, I will say, that has come out in the last two years is how open and frank we are about our mental health and our struggles. Health, yeah. It's in sharing those stories around the fire like women used to do, you know, right back at the dawn of time, that it's that community yeah. as women. We can all support each other and share our stories. And when you hear the stories of different women, you realise what we go through and how strong we are, and that can be inspirational mm. and support us. That's awesome, and that's so refreshing. So, Laura, where can people find you on social media and your blog well, I don't, and your Instagram page? I don't Facebook anymore, uh, which actually is a very good decision, actually, because it takes up far too much time. But um, I've got my Instagram page, um, The Rise of the Single Mother, and then um, awesome. we also have a website that goes with that, which is www.theriseofthesinglemother.com, which is where hopefully, you know, lots of women, well, they do share, send stories and we publish them on the website. Oh, brilliant. And um, hopefully that's going to be growing in the new year. We'll probably be trying to grow the Instagram page a bit more. And eventually I'm going to do more blogging about mental health. Because the idea of it really was a not-for-profit support for single mums. And to celebrate us because yeah. we're badass. We are, definitely. We are. I, I, I say to a lot of the mums on my platform that if you can go through a pregnancy and if you can live life as a single mum, there's nothing else you can't do. You know, you've jumped one hurdle, you can jump the rest and you just have to carry on going. Uh, you said you'd done a master's. Yeah. When did you do that? Was that after having your son? Um, I did my master's whilst I was pregnant with my wow. son. So I did my master's in, yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was when I was working full time and doing my master's. So, um, I've shared it before on my platform that I would go to work, um, with the Ministry of Justice from eight, from eight o'clock to four o'clock and then go to uni from six to nine and then come back home and cry. <laughs> I did that for, I did that for a whole year. So, and it's so funny that I cried throughout my pregnancy, but I've got the happiest kid. Like um, I've shared it already on my platform that he's been signed by Disney. So he's um, currently, yes, he has. So he's currently playing Simba um, in The Lion King, the young Simba. In, on stage or in the movie? On stage, on stage, yes. Yeah. So he's, he goes on. on yes, yes, oh, yes. Wow. We saw so, that. We saw that in Bristol uh, just before the pandemic. Oh, really? So, so you've got a proper little performer there. I do. That's why I'm saying that it's just like a, a oxymoron. I was crying throughout the pregnancy and I've got the happiest kid ever. But you seem very happy so, now. I mean, you, you seem... Well, yeah, I am. But I think happiness is um, it's a choice. And I want the reason why I even named the podcast the Happy Single Mom podcast because sometimes when I'd be happy, a lot of time people would say to me, "Why are you happy? Like, look at your situation." And it kind of just would irk my spirit. Like, 
it's like society wants you to be sad. So I kind of made the podcast, Happy Single Mum Podcast, it's put a slap in the face of society that just because I'm a single mum doesn't mean that I can't be happy. It doesn't mean that I can't have a, a law degree and a master's and a job and a house and a car. Like, you can't sit there and judge my life because of my choices. Like, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm... Just living my life, and I'm I'm unapologetic, as the youth like to say. Is, yes, um, yeah. But Laura, I just want to say thank you so much for taking up the time to come in on the Happy Single Mum podcast. You have been refreshing. Your story is like just it's kind of groundbreaking because it could have been so different, but you're still here and you're using your story to impact other people's lives and you're yeah you're honest and you're open about it and sometimes we find out in life that some people were not honest about their stories and they were hiding certain things but you you saw your life and you saw where it was and you, you changed it Thank you so much, guys, for taking out the time to listen to the Happy Single Mums podcast. I just want you to know I really, really appreciate your support from all around the world. And to you, single mamas, you are doing it. Well done. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping strong. I also would like to add some exciting news. I have my first official journal, many more to come, by the way, on Amazon called she wrote it down and then it happened hence why i wrote down the fact that i was going to be a podcaster and it actually happened so you can access it on amazon she wrote it down and then it happened by khalifa araba i would love 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 to connect with you all on social media we have a wonderful tribe there it's um called the happy single mums podcast so please connect with me send me a dm and i would love to speak to you if also you would like to be on the podcast please send me a dm and we can organize it carry on keeping strong and you're keeping your head up i love you we love you as a community take care khalifa bye I'm breaking, no, I'm not-